Hey, thanks for listening to this recording from University Lutheran. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of scripture, faith, and grace that meets in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University, every Sunday at 11 a.m. We hope that you enjoy this recording. To find more like it, visit our website, universitylutheranchurch.org, or search University Lutheran Tallahassee in your favorite podcasting app. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoy this time with God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does want us to find happiness and fulfillment. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Dr. Phil McGraw is a household name known to many of you right now, um, which just shows how far the reach of Oprah's empire has gotten. Because uh, Dr. Phil McGraw, the reason that you know that name is that he's Dr. Phil from TV, the sort of Oklahoma um, uh, hick that is uh, also a registered psychologist, has a PhD in psychology, Um, uh, but he just kind of sounds like uh, he's just sort of a down-home guy. And uh, that's a lot of times uh, uh, sort of the genius behind Dr. Phil, and that's what actually brought him under sort of Oprah's umbrella. Um, uh, Dr. Phil was actually, he, he was running a separate business, kind of an interesting business. He was running a business where he would psychologically profile jurors and tell lawyers, okay, you want this juror and you don't want that juror. In fact, the TV show Bull that's out today, uh, one of the people that is listed as a co-creator of that show is Philip McGraw. Because it comes from his life. It was actually what he was doing. And while he was doing that, well, Oprah found herself in some legal trouble. Something about beef. And she and her lawyer found Dr. Phil McGraw. And she was so enamored by this Oklahoma sort of down-home good old boy that she said, I want to give you a spot on my show. And so she gave him a spot on her show. And that spot kept on coming up and people kept on saying, hey, this guy is great. And finally, he spun off his own show, The Dr. Phil Show. And if you ever watch The Dr. Phil Show, he has this sort of um, uh, consistent sort of check-in thing. He says, how is that working for you? And so uh, what he's doing there is actually something that uh, psychologists and counselors do a whole lot of the time, and it's called checking utility. Checking the utility of what you're doing, which is a good thing for all of us to do, to check the utility of the stuff that we're doing. Because so often we find ourselves in these holes that we dig for ourselves just because we continue to do things the way that we've always done them. And the way that we've always done them is probably there for a reason But what that reason is sometimes gets forgotten and we just get into this thing of, well, I do that. And sometimes those things that we say, well, I just do that and I don't really have a reason for it, those things end up actually harming us because they end up being things that don't actually have any utility for our lives. And so we get into these habits and then all of a sudden this habit isn't actually taking us where we want to go in our lives. And so in those moments, it's good 
to check the utility, to say, okay, is this really playing out the way that I want it to play out? And that's a little bit, I think, of what Jesus is doing in this gospel reading. This gospel reading that on its head is, is a little bit, well, tough to swallow. I mean, all of that stuff about Jesus healing people, we're kind of okay with. We're like, oh yeah, Jesus heals people, that's what he does. Never mind that it's a miracle. And that people all around him are like reaching out for him and going, oh, if I just touch the guy, I'm going to get better. That's, you know, we just kind of go, well, that's just Jesus's thing. It's like Superman flying. Of course he's going to do that. But then we get to the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes in Luke's telling, which is probably Jesus telling the Beatitudes in a different situation than what he does in Matthew. And he's just kind of doing a little bit of a review of what the Beatitudes are. But he's doing the Beatitudes in a little bit different way. Because in Matthew's telling in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And we're okay with that. Because we go, oh, of course, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I'm poor in spirit. And you ask, what is poor in spirit? It's whatever I want it to be. (laughs) Because nobody really knows what poor in spirit means. But of course, that has to be me because Jesus loves me. Right? But then we get to Luke's telling. And Luke's telling is, well, just a little bit more concrete. And it makes us just a little bit more insecure about ourselves. Because he says, you know, blessed are the poor. And you go, in spirit, Jesus. In spirit. And Jesus goes, no, I'm going to keep moving. And, And then he, Luke records Jesus doing this thing that he doesn't do in Matthew at all. He has woes. Now Jesus is not riding a horse. Instead, what Jesus is saying here is basically, cursed are the people that have these woes. So woe to you who are, fill in the blank, woe to you who are rich. And all of us, no matter what you make right now, you're going, that's not me. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, I, I can get by that. You know, I'm poor in spirit and not rich, so I'm good with Jesus. But then he says some stuff that we go, oh, maybe that is me. You know, blessed are you who are full. And you go, I haven't had breakfast. I'm good with Jesus. But how full are you compared to so many other people in the world? How rich are you compared to so many other people in the world? And then he says something that uh, all of you, I've, I've just kind of heard this, all of you are probably guilty of. Woe are you who laugh. Oh, Blake's in trouble. And we go, oh, woe. So, and we start to develop this idea, okay, well, what is Jesus telling me to be? You know, what kind of a disciple does Jesus want? And on the outset, it appears that what Jesus wants out of his disciples are, well, sort of poor, sad, hungry, detested people. And most of you are doing a pretty bad job of that. I say most of you. 
Some of you are really good at the detested part. But, we, really? Jesus, is that what you really want? And I, I think that brings us back to kind of that, that Dr. Phil question of, you know, how, how is that working for you? you know, how, how would it work if that's who we were, if, if we were people who just said, you know, just in our imaginations right now, well, okay, I'm going to be poor. I'm going to purposely be poor. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to um, uh, give away everything that I've got. I'm going to be hungry. That'll be easy because I'm poor. I am going to be sad. That'll be easy because I'm hungry. And I'm going to be detested by all people. You go, wow, so, so that's, that's what Jesus wants me to be. And you start to wonder, like, okay, well, if, if that's what we were known for as Christians, would that be something that people would go, man, I want to be like that person. That, that person seems so poor, so awesome. And they, that person seems so hungry. I guess we do probably have a segment of people that we go, oh, that person looks so hungry. They're so great. Um, Instagram models. Um, <laughs> but but there, there's kind of this question, of, you know, how, how is that working? And the rest of our readings today, there, there's kind of this back and forth between, okay, this is what somebody looks like who is blessed by God, and this is what somebody looks like who is wicked, somebody who isn't blessed by God. And what's the big difference there? The big difference isn't actually that the people that are blessed by God are poor and are hungry and are detested by people and all of that stuff. The difference is in terms of connection. The difference is in terms of how they are connected to God. The first two readings really draw that out. You have these first two readings that are basically mirror images of one another, which you may miss because we have two different readers doing them. But they're mirror images in a lot of ways. Both of them say this is the person who is blessed, this is the person who is wicked, and in each of those circumstances, it is the person who is connected by God. Each of them have this sort of agricultural image of either a tree or a shrub that is planted near water. And that being planted near water is the elemental thing that the scriptures are trying to get across. They're trying to get across. This is about connection with God. This is about when you are close enough to God that your roots can reach out to that river, and you don't care if it rains. Which is what Jesus is talking about in Luke. In some ways, what Jesus is talking about in Luke is he is saying, blessed are you who are poor and still have a connection with me. Because that root is going to be able to make you happy because of your connection with me, even though you're poor. Blessed are you who are hungry 
because that connection is even going to be able to sustain you in the midst of your hunger. Blessed are you who are being made fun of and are being called names because of your connection with me, because even in that situation, your connection with me is going to be enough. And the woes come from those things getting in the way. comes from when we sever our connection with God in order that we might have money or in order that we may be full or in order that people may think well of us. That this isn't about just becoming a monk, but rather this is about somebody who is choosing to be connected with Jesus. Somebody who is choosing to see that that connection is there and not pushing away from that, not rejecting that, which is what's so great about the reading that we had from Corinthians. The reading where Paul talks about what the end of all of that is supposed to be, which is the resurrection. And he's talking to these Corinthians who are saying, well, you know, maybe there is no resurrection of the dead and that's okay. I can still be a Christian. And Paul goes, well, no. And Paul goes, that is your connection. Your connection here is that Jesus rose from the dead. If you say that there's no resurrection from the dead, then your faith is in vain. He's saying, if you say that there is no resurrection from the dead, then your connection to happiness, that connection, that underground root that is going to that water is severed because you've pushed away from the reality of the connection that you might have with God. This connection where if Jesus dies, he gets up again, he raises again, that there's a resurrection, and that we are looking forward to a resurrection ourselves. And that that resurrection, even today, even though it's under the ground and we can't see it completely, that that resurrection power is feeding into our lives at this very moment. And that that is how, if you are a Christian in this place and you are poor, you can be happy because that resurrection power is flowing into you. If you are a Christian in this place and you are hungry, that resurrection power is flowing into you. If you are a Christian in this place and there is all manner of things that are difficult in your life right now, that resurrection power is still flowing into you by God's word and by God's sacraments, by his baptism, by holy communion, and by the assurances that he gives you about what this life is like. And if you start living in a way that recognizes that resurrection power, you will start living in a way that you can start to check. You can start to apply Dr. Phil's question to it. You can start to say, well, how is this working for me? How, how is it working that I believe that there is a forgiveness of sins? How is, it, how, how is it working for me that I believe that there is a communion of saints? How 
is it going that I believe that there is life everlasting in the resurrection of the body and you can start checking against that and you can start seeing the beauty that's flowing out of that resurrection power out of Christ's own hand as it fed out of him in Luke. That that power is being transferred to you even before your resurrection. That it's being transferred to you today in my declaration of the forgiveness of your sins. That is being transferred to you in your remembrance of your baptism. It's being transferred to you in the body and the blood that we will celebrate in just a moment from now. That resurrection power is flowing to you. Don't stop it. Don't cut it off. Don't sever it. Let it flow. Let it flow and test it. Test it this week. Do the audacious thing and believe. Do the audacious thing and believe that there is resurrection power flowing into you. And live this week as if you believe that. And check it. And see what this looks like next week. Because there is power flowing there. And you'll be able to see it. Maybe in small ways, maybe in big ways. Our lives undulate a little bit, but you'll see something. So now may you this week, may you go out into this world and may you recognize and believe that there is resurrection power flowing from Christ into you. And may that resurrection power make you live in a way that is distinct, in a way that will show to yourself and to others how real that power is. Amen.